welcome to Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that inspire you to get your story told. Be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com, and while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. Now sit back, get ready to take some notes, and let's get started. This episode of Leap Into Your Story podcast is brought to you by Leap Into Your Story course. Visit leapintoyourstory.com where you have a guide to get your story told. I'm Victoria Anderson, and welcome to the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, work through the process, and meet others who've done it. We interview amazing guests who provide powerful insights that will inspire you to leap into your own story. So be sure to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com. And while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. In this podcast episode, we're going to be discussing soul retrievals and consciousness. My guest today is Kevin Jeffers and an author and podcaster who shares his experience for helping people retrieve their lost or incomplete souls through the process of passing over. His new book, The Pattern, an exploration of consciousness points to a pathway for people to experience more self-awareness and manifestation. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Victoria. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we dive into some questions for discussion, take us on your journey. How did this all get started? Well, it started when I was about five years old. So I really wasn't taking notes at the time. I just noticed that things happened that were very interesting. And eventually my parents say that that that's not normal. And I grew up in a small town in Ohio, which added to the pressure of what's not normal. So I continued to experience it um, up through seven, eight, nine years old. And then I dropped it because it got in the way of Little League Baseball and, and hockey. And it's also very hard to explain. So after I graduated out of high school and started um, college at the Art Institute of Chicago, um, I went back to these experiences in a more uh, thoughtful way. I went through a, a numerous sessions of hypnosis by a certified hypnotist who took me back through previous lives. And I knew that I had previous lives, but they just weren't, it wasn't that believable. I was still working off the old paradigm of don't talk about that stuff. Uh, So we went, we did a deep dive into that and that seemed to have released me from the constraints of my thinking, the constraints of my beliefs. And then I progressed on from there to healing, long distance healing, energetic healing, and eventually what I call soul travel. That's a, that is for me, a projection of consciousness out into the higher realms of 
um, energy. And I say that very succinctly, higher frequencies are the, the barrier between us and the experience of spirit. So I continued on that path and then became very engaged in the process of soul retrieval probably 10 years ago. Uh, when I was traveling, I noticed there were a lot of dead people, lots and lots of dead people. And they all were very noisy and they all wanted to do something and they all wanted to have, they all had agendas. Some wanted to go visit their relatives, some wanted to get out. Some didn't want to acknowledge they, they had died. And I said, this is a problem. And for then at that point, I made the decision how I was going to focus my attention, my time. Because I meditate, I probably have an hour or two hours of this activity. And then I just simply get tired and fall asleep. So I decided to focus on children who had died uh, abruptly as an example, uh, war, um, accidents, um, relative parental intervention, who didn't know after they had died that they had died, because no one had shown them a path to the light. So there was a lot of confusion and shock, and some vividly recalled the experience of their death, and they needed to be moved forward into the light and that was a process of just being patient with them and thoughtful and pointing them in the direction of their recovery, recovery into the light. And usually that was like, how would you like to visit your parents or your relatives or grandma and grandpa? They're just over there. And then they would brighten up, actually brighten up a lot. And I would go with them to wherever whoever the reception committee was. It could be a relative, it could be a family friend, it could be a very, um, it could be a previous life experience, experiencer, it could be anything, just so they felt comfortable. And then I moved on to older people who are in the process of dying and were confused. Older people do tend to get confused, dementia, um, medication that they've been receiving through their medical problems, Alzheimer's, the list goes on. And that's clearly something we've all experienced, a family member who is aging and uh, losing their sense of who they are, their reality. Um, Asphagia is a, is a big one for older people. So I, I don't disregard the middle section of what I'm describing as like a demographic. There's children and there's older people. Because I think that adults who have passed are really responsible for themselves. And they do usually get help. Family members usually do recover them. Um, so it's more the exception is their children and the older people. And they've had some very horrifying experience recovering children from a war zone. Um, example, recently Ukraine, a lot, a lot of children have died. A couple of thousand children have died. And it's um, it's needed and wanted. I It's very disruptive to me because of my level of empathy for their suffering probably overwhelms my practical sense of who I am. And um, 
the suffering is the key. I really, really distressed when I see that kind of suffering. So that's that's kind of like from the beginning to today. Covers a lot of territory. That was a lot of territory. <laughs> <laughs> so what it sounds like that, you know, I'm I'm always curious about belief systems, and there seems to be specifically a belief system that death is kind of easy, but it sounds a whole lot more complicated um, to the point where you have maybe children who are too young to understand what has happened to them. And then at the other spectrum, the elderly who have lost an ability to understand what's going on. Um, that kind of get muddled in the middle between life and death. And, you know, kind of, ref, kind of, I could touch on this a little bit. It reminds me of an experience when my mother died because for the first time I had seen not a tunnel, but literally a bridge that was created, like looked like a corridor. And I saw specifically like a hospital corridor. And in that moment, she had died. And I was in the corridor. And I remember thinking that this was kind of, it wasn't welcoming, it was kind of confusing as well. So I think I may have been in the tunnel or the corridor with her. Because no sooner I woke up from that dream experience or I wasn't even sure what I had I don't know I think it was between you know I was falling asleep and dreaming but the next thing I knew that whole scene was interrupted by a phone call from the hospital saying she had just passed so so you brought up a very interesting point my own experience is that the tunnel is just a descriptor for an experience Yes. It can be a corridor. It can be climbing steps. It could be floating. It could be flying. It could be going in a tunnel. It could be direct. It doesn't matter. What matters is your experience when you touch the light. Mm. You're, you're forever changed by the experience of touching spirit. Because there are no words to defy that experience. Probably you'll have to deal with your belief systems. Certain people don't believe that, don't believe in God. They think they go in a hole at the end of their death and then they die and they're very shocked to find out that no, this is not the end. Or people get depressed and, and commit suicide and they find out that's probably the one thing they shouldn't have done because it locks them into their into another reality of people that have taken their life. Hmm. So how you achieve union with the light is really framed out by how you want to think of the light. The tunnels become a very common uh, descriptor. Raymond Moody did his study on that and documented it. But it's not just a tunnel, it could be anything. But when you go to that place, you will know forever for the rest of your life that you were there because it energetically transforms you. So what you were talking about sounds like a shared near-death experience where you were joined with your mother 
at the point of death. And probably you didn't feel separation. You just felt uh, a little jarring because you didn't understand what was happening. Exactly. So it was a little shocking at that moment in time. But now that you've had, you yourself have had time to think about it, to re-experience it, it's probably not as shocking. It probably even, it feels natural. And here's the funny thing. I've actually been in the tunnel alive and had an out-of-body experience and seen Mm -hmm. the light. And I was told, get back down. And I wasn't (laughs) dead. (laughs) I wasn't dead. I was specifically saying, "Uh -uh." and and I will tell you, unlike my my mother's experience, that was kind of like a bridge that turned to a hospital corridor. Um, I was having a good time in that, that tunnel of light. And the voice said, uh, no, uh, you, and I was like, and I was adamant. I am like, I am not going back down to that place. I am just done. I'm going to stay here. I, it feels great. The, the, the love, the light, everything is awesome. And I was going, nope. I was told you are going back down. You are not done. It's not time for you. And you know, suck it up, you know, put your big girl panties on and suck it up a buttercup and you're going back down. And I actually wrote about that. I think that's in my second book, the uh, trial by fire about that moment. where (laughs) I got a taste of, you know, uh, near death, very much alive. And you never forgot it. Never forgot it. No. And it, and it, it left an imprint that it made it into my book. Yes. Transformed. (laughs) You were brought to a level of consciousness that you had not previously experienced. And then you saw the possibilities. And you were kind of booted out of the light. As well. Yes. Yeah. Well, scolded out of the light. Scolded. <laughs> I had a near-death experience where I did go through the tunnel-like. This was much before I really became active. I went through the tunnel to the light. And it's amazingly bright figure, bright white figure stepped out in front of me and put their hand on my chest and they say, pushed me back. And they said, no, mm-hmm. no, you're, you're not coming here. Yeah. And then I went right back into my body and I woke up. So I've always, that has been like the linch point of my experience in spirit is that once, as I mentioned, once you touch the light or the light rudely touches you, right? there's a linkage, there's a bondage with spirit that it just simply won't go away. You can't yeah. forget that ever. Exactly, exactly. And I've, I've had a couple of those incidences that, like I said, that kind of made me want to journal them so I can remember them. Yeah. And then ultimately... Uh, I had a whole set of journals and that these are the kind of points that triggered me to write my memoirs. You know, I have three of them and two, uh, one more is in the work. So I'm on my fourth one. So talking about these experiences that do have these life-changing moments that change your course, change your perspective, you're never the same after them ever and it really comes down to who you are and what you want to do with what you just experienced right you can ignore it which is not likely because it keeps popping back up again 
or you can take the experience and support people in their process of dying or their fear of dying. Because so many people are afraid of dying because they think that's the end. They think that they're diminished. Uh, many people think that they'll cease to exist. And frankly, from my experience, that's not accurate at all. Yes. You are, you are enlivened with that touching the light. You're, you're brightening, your frequency shifts, you become much faster, more aware, more aware of energy. Right. And that changes you. Absolutely. That's why you can never be the same again after you've had a near-death experience because it just yeah. simply changes you. And that's why I'm very passionate about people telling their story because, you know, part of, you know, memoir writing is sharing your legacy. And, you know, I am this story keeper from my family. I found out that a lot of my family members shared a lot of paranormal stories that they didn't share with other family members. So now I can record those through my experiences and telling my life story in each one of my memoirs, a little bit of the history. So, you know, the family members in the future have an idea, you know, who some of their past family was. And if they are experiencing certain things that they didn't want to talk about and find out that, gee, great grandma had that same experience. I feel okay now. Yeah. One second, I'm going to turn my overhead light back on. Yeah, that's oh, fine. Oh, oh. <laughs> the time's out uh, when I go in the dark. Yeah. Well, when you talk about, as especially as I've interviewed quite a few people talking about paranormal, there's always some weird electrical something going on. So <laughs> that's just par for the course. <laughs> well, the, the other side of that is that all of us have all of this um, these talents and potential in various various strengths, if you wanted to say that. But we are all capable of clairvoyance. We're all capable of psychometric um, readings. We're all capable of healing. Every one of us are capable because that's who we are as people. It's not an exclusion. It's not an unusual thing. It's just who you are. But at the point that you recognize that, embrace that is the point where you expand and you do something with that experience. Yes, definitely. Uh, I think a lot of times that there's a lot more people who experience them and they just brush them off. Well, they brush them off because going back to what you said about the belief systems. Yes. If you can imagine a box, draw a box in your mind in front of you or on a piece of paper and you're in the box. You are, you've created a barrier for going out of the box. You've created a barrier for experiencing a greater reality because that box is what makes you comfortable. So right. how do you shift your paradigm from being contained by a box to being uncontained in the universe? Yeah. So that's it, what beliefs yeah. are. Every belief yeah. is another, another part of the wall that you've created for yourself. Right. Spirit's not interested in beliefs. Spirit is interested in who you are in your actions. 
right? Not what you believe. Yes, and and here's the thing. I there's um, there was a uh, podcast that I I guessed it on where he was talking about. Well, you know, wh- where's your proof? Where's your proof, right? <laughs> and I explained to him. I says, look, um, you know, who who would think that the air has molecules? You. Yeah. I mean, here you don't just because we don't have the equipment yet to prove everything doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, for me, it's simple. I would just ask that person, what's your proof that it doesn't? That too. Yeah. Because there is no proof. Exactly. That's more I like mean, a you- rationalist comment about logic and, and experiential reality. Mm-hmm. And it's not test worthy or repeatable. Yeah. So show me how you can prove that you, what you're saying, that it doesn't exist. They can't prove that it doesn't exist, just as you have difficulty proving that it does exist. Exactly. I mean, on a windy day, we don't see wind. We can only feel it. And that's kind of how the spiritual world kind of interacts. Things that we can't necessarily see but we can see how it affects things externally. We can feel it against our body. I would would say that most people have an agreement called, I can't see this. I can't see spirit. Mm -hmm. Spirit is out of touch of what I'm able to do. It's it's an agreement with yourself that you have limitations. And that is, that's problematic because you have, you have endless you are unlimited soul. You live life to life. You live after life. Um, and then you come back again as, as appropriate or needed. So there is no limitation to you. You as a soul are a forever being. Your sole purpose here is to experience. You chose your life to experience what you've experienced. And a lot of people don't like that news because they have pretty bad lives. And I said, well, okay, this is the life you chose because how do I know it's the life you chose? Because you're here. Every, everything that's ever happened in, in the, that's negative or you don't like, you were always present when it happened. There's no substitution. So if you don't like your life, change your life. Right. Make Make changes. Make, make changes. changes. Right. Because when you exactly. when you pass, when you die, where the heck do you go? Do you want to be one of those free-floating um, entities or souls that wrap themselves around the earth that can't be released from the earth cycle? I wouldn't want to do that. Mm-mm. And without an awareness of your potential and awareness of who you are and can be, that's what's going to happen. Your religion might pull you out of it. That's good because religion will pull you out of that. If you have a belief in your religion, you have a religious belief that you will be saved, you will be saved. Supposing, you know, you've had a fairly decent life, you will be saved. Yes, indeed. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book the pattern. So what is the pattern? What is the purpose of the pattern? What do we need to know about the pattern? 
Well, that's a hard one to describe. When I did experience the pattern, it took me a long, long time to even describe my experience. But now that I've had some time to step back and take a look at it, I see that the pattern is the guiding force of our reality. And it's the guiding force is because it's our teacher, our mentor. The pattern was put in place, from my view, by the creator to act as a reference point in our in our movement through consciousness to a higher level of consciousness. It's like modeling. You need a model. You need a direction. You need, you need a frame to operate in. And the pattern, from my experience, is that frame. Life is about consciousness. It's not about money. It's not about uh, what you have or who you love or who you voted for. It's about your consciousness. How does your how do you achieve a higher degree of consciousness when you're stuck at a point in your life where everything is the same? You can't go forward. You don't go forward until you act to in, to expand your consciousness to a higher degree of reality, which I view as the light. So in this pattern, let me ask you, are there, because it says it's guiding. So when you're saying it's guiding you, I mean, I know people talk about like synchronicities or repeating numbers or I mean, when you're saying it's guiding you, are there clues that you tune into that helps you know that you're on your right pattern, you know? <laughs> Well, think of it this way, a pattern, what is a pattern? A pattern is a design. Right. And within that design is designed to assist us in shifting our consciousness to a higher level. So our pattern is our future. And it was your past and it's now your future. Where do you, where do you go? Do you want to be more than who you are? Do you want to be more conscious? Well, in my experience, I need a little guidance in that matter. Because I just simply don't know the answers to many of the questions. And the pattern, for me, provides the answers. When I experienced, had my first experience of the pattern, it was shocking. It was truly shocking. Because it was like a vivid, living impulse of light. And the light had intelligence. It, had a, it, it was just an amazing level of consciousness. And I thought... That's strange because nowhere in any book that I ever read or anyone I talked to visualized our reality as a pattern. Everything was randomness. Well, we we make our own life. That's true, but you don't make your pattern. It, and the pattern is the frame that you agreed to come in to deal with, to address, to learn from. And that's why I say the pattern is a teacher. It's, it's a, like a reflection of our personal self-awareness. So would that be including guided to certain people or? Um... Well, everyone is guided. Right. From my experience, everyone has a guide. Everyone has a mentor. Some people call them angels, advisors, the wise ones, whatever. We all have that available to us but as you go through a school think of it as going through a school every grade that you ever passed through had a reading and homework requirement you had to read this stuff you had to take these tests you had to write these papers 
Why? Because it was creating a foundation for greater understanding and learning. So the pattern for me is like moving through um, school. And where does it go? Well, it goes well beyond college and graduate school and uh, doctorate and so on and so on. It just keeps going until you no longer are bound to this earth. And people say, what? I like this place. I don't think you like this place. <laughs> this, this place, I call it the earth. I call it a predator reality. Everyone is a predator. We are learning to be superb predators. And where we fail, we come back and do it again. And why would we learn to be predators? Because in the expanded reality, survival is, is critical to your growth. Survival is not a bad thing. Survival is not a negative thing. It's, it's what you do with the impulse to survive. But looking out your window or going to the television, there are many, many people are engaged in the process of doing whatever they need to do to survive. Financially, being fed, having a place to sleep. There are priorities, taking care of your family, taking care of your children. It's all school. Yes. So as depressing yeah. as that would sound to many people, well, you just keep going to school until you don't, you no longer need to go to school here. You go out, you exit the earth reality and you go to, and you go to another school. Why would yes. you ever want to stop learning? I mean, you could take a vacation, take a break, but ultimately you're going to be back at it. But that's looking in the context of a forever being. There's no end to you. There was a beginning, there's no end. You were created and you move forward and you, you came into the earth. Maybe uh, in, in your cycle of consciousness, you started out as a tadpole. There is no time, there is no space, there's no limitation on, on gaining learning and accepting consciousness. How do you learn to be human until you learn to live on this earth? And humans are not the are not the end story. I could tell you from my own experience that, as example, whales are have a superior consciousness. That they communicate to each other through sound and song beyond our beyond our ability to understand what's happening. Scientists are now getting a grasp on whale language or dolphin language. But they're very peaceful people. They're very they're like peaceful souls. I think of them as people. They're they're very peaceful and they're and they're fully conscious. So that's an example. Man as a an evolution um, is not the end game for us. We're moving into spirit. How do we move into spirit? We need to identify our opportunities for energy. Every civilization is graded on its ability to generate energy. Go I learned that in physics. It's just an amazing. There are levels of consciousness based upon energy availability. That is very interesting. Um, and and I will have to say, I, I think a lot of physics has... I don't know, almost answered 
philosophical questions better than religious beliefs at times. All you have to do is look at quantum technology. Yes. Quantum technology is for us an end game because that is the ultimate reality. The core structure of our reality is the quantum Yes. Yeah, that once, reminds me. Yeah, uh, once again, I, 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 I hypothesize what is the pattern. The pattern is simply a guide for us as we move through our different manifestations of consciousness. Now, is nature, being that you do have kind of your, uh, I guess, information both in spiritual and physical worlds, um, understanding you think nature is following because they they follow a certain rhythmic pattern too do yeah. you think consciousness and nature are are tuned in together to a secret for you mm -hmm. every form of nature is conscious okay yes <laughs> it's a network of consciousness trees stones rivers mountains they're all conscious and that's a little hard to wrap your head around. But if you've ever walked in, a, in an old forest, you can feel that consciousness. So yeah. as I, humanity is just one aspect of that consciousness. And then Interesting. The earth is the birth cradle, the birth cradle of consciousness. Because the earth is constantly spawning new forms of consciousness as, as it ends a form of consciousness or transitions it to a new one and then it goes away, like the endangered species, it's creating new new hmm. forms of consciousness. And you referenced that the, the entity that you encountered has like an intelligence, but I know with that intelligence, I've, I've heard of like Qigong, uh, talking about a higher intelligence energy. And have you had any experiences with healing? Um, Actually, I have quite a bit. I've been healing for many, many years. Um, some have been dramatic and some have been normal, average healings. Yes. And that's a, that's a management of releasing energy from your, your core self to the benefit to the healing of another person or an animal, as an example. That's your acceptance and effort to release a flow of energy from your core, which is connected to the higher reality that knows how to heal whoever the energy is destined to. Yes, I've, I've heard about that. I actually recently um, had a guest on who was talking about slips, slipstream quantum healing, about, um, you know, when you, um, I don't know, hit a certain point, it's kind of like the suction of um, this, uh, the semi, the Ipsen, ips, uh, slipstream that sucks you in. <laughs> and then releases you. But this is all kind of into the same kind of vein of, you know, when you're 
in your sweet spot of energy, the possibilities are kind of endless. They are. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of um, getting permission from spirit to release that energy and to heal. Because you want to heal doesn't really assure that the healing will occur. The healing has to be powered by intent. And intent is the packaging of your of your destination. I have energy is going to that person for that reason. And then you push it with intention. A high degree of intention is manifesting reality. So healing has occurred in amazing ways because there's no limitation to, to that energy. It's powered by your intention to accomplish or achieve a certain goal. And that's true in business, in family, life, as well as healing. And if it's your intention to reach out to spirit, actually spirit gets it. Or you might want to say, instead of spirit, your guiding angel or your favorite shaman or your whatever. It's your intention. And the, and the more you clarify and power your intention with your core energy, the more effective you're going to be in what you're doing. So if someone says, hey, Victoria, I need a healing on my stomach. I get stomach aches. Will you clarify your intention and release the energy to uh, be aligned with the intention? And that way you can virtually create anything you want. And the first question is, oh, can I get more money? Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> there is, on the other hand, a, a price you pay for that in that abundance because everything is in balance. Interesting. Well, let me let me go ahead and have you kind of sum up our podcast today with the three key insights you would like our listeners to think about and you know use it in their life that's to get them to understand the pattern and their point in consciousness better well we could start i could start with your soul is eternal i'll start with that point you just continue to exist in consciousness in life after life after life there's no ending of you you may you may your body will die because that's what we have here on earth people die usually and then you move on to the next and you move on to the next you're a forever being and you cannot be destroyed you cannot die in spirit you continue forever and that's why and I say that humans are the forever beings because they live forever. And as you live and you experience and you mesh yourself into the pattern is the point where you gain a level of consciousness that you can move out of the earth pattern and into the new pattern of your choice. That's one. Number two, the pattern is creative intelligence. As I mentioned, it's like going to school. It occurred to me um, very vividly, very shockingly, brilliant colors. But what I notice is that the emotional impact of the experience of the pattern continues with me today. 
It's like the, uh, I call it high octane in consciousness. It took me to another level of comprehension and understanding of how energy works. I'm kind of stuck at two points. This all comes down to energy. All comes down to energy and the various formats and expressions of energy that we allow ourselves to experience. All right. Well, very good. Well, one last question I have for you, and that is, where can we find out more about what you have to teach and write about? Where can we find your book? Well, the book can be found on Google and Amazon, and it can be bought in Amazon either as a paperback or as uh, an ebook, like Kindle. That's available now. Um, there are actually some, some ratings about people who have read the book and what they experience, and, and it's favorable. It kind of surprised me. I thought this book would be annoying to somebody, but <laughs> it's favorable. And we're putting together a website because I'm becoming now more active in, in talking about the pattern, and that website will be launched probably in a week or two, and it's the pattern. And then we're developing social media. And I'm putting a lot of time and attention into this to give validity to the experience instead of just keeping it in the realm of a dream to bring it out into reality. Too much of the beauty of who we are is left in dreams. Yes, I think I absolutely 100% agree. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for sharing your fantastic insights today. It's been a great pleasure to speak with you. And I want to thank all of my listeners for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, work through the process and meet others who've done it so you can be guided into your own journey to write your story. So to remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like us via your favorite social media network. We are looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Leap Into Your Story podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Leap Into Your Story podcast, where you discover your inner story, break down the process, and meet others who've done it so you can leap into your own story. Remember to visit our website at leapintoyourstory.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're there, subscribe and like to us via your favorite social media network. We're looking forward to seeing you next time on the Leap Into Your Story podcast.